a very good day to you. My name is Apostle Timmy Evans, the Senior Pastor of Grace Grand Christian Center, Accra, Ghana. You have come to the hub of spiritual upliftment, where your spirit and your soul will be lifted with undiluted word of God and spirit-filled worship. Continue to listen to enjoy today's episode. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our anchor partners. You can become a member through these three major channels. Visit at at underscore events on Instagram. Select view shop. Choose between donate or sponsor an episode. Visit at events missions on Facebook. Select shop. Choose between donate or sponsor an episode. Visit at events dot life. Choose donate or sponsor an episode. When you sponsor an episode, we will give you a shout out. And when you also donate, we will also give you a shout out and send our prayers to you. It is very important that we all contribute whatever we can to the spread of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I want to thank you for the grace and the privilege you have given unto us. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praises. We declare there is no one like you. You are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords, you are the ancient of days, you are the lily of the valley. We give you glory, we give you honor. Thank you for bringing us into this day. Thank you for shining your light upon our darkness. Thank you for frustrating the works of darkness and for opening heavens over our lives. Be thou exalted in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit of God, we ask you to pour out yourself upon us. Pour out yourself upon us today. For your favor and your grace upon us today. Frustrate every works of darkness in our life today. Open heavens over our life today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' precious name, we are prayed. This morning, I wanted to make this declaration with me. Decree and declare with me that evil works will not stand against your life. Evil works will not stand against your life. Say, I receive my divine visitation now. I receive my divine visitation now. In the name of Jesus. I receive my divine visitation now. In the mighty name of Jesus. I release warring angels to resist all those resisting my progress. I release warring angels to resist all those resisting my progress in the name of Jesus. I rebuke every power behind stagnation in my life. Every power behind stagnation in my life, I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. I command the total nullification of every verdict of the devil in my life in the name of Jesus. Every evil agent working against my progress, I command them to die by fire. In the mighty name of Jesus, I curse every curses sent against me and I return them back to the sender. In the mighty name of Jesus, every evil altar working against me, I command them to catch fire in Jesus' name. I command my blessings confiscated by ancestral spirits, by forces of darkness from every side I have related to in life 
I command those blessings to be released unto me now in the name of Jesus. By the power in the name of Jesus, I command all my blessings confiscated by satanic agents to be released now in the name of Jesus. I command my blessings confiscated by principalities to be released now in the name of Jesus. Make that declaration this morning. I command all my blessings confiscated by rulers of darkness to be released now in the name of Jesus. I command my blessings confiscated by evil powers to be released now in the name of Jesus. Declare, you say, I command all my blessings confiscated by spiritual wickedness in heavenly places to be released now in the mighty name of Jesus. Declare, you say, I command all demonic seeds planted to hinder my progress to be roasted by the fire of God, to be roasted to, the, to your roots in the name of Jesus. Declare, say, any evil sleep undertaken to harm me be converted to dead sleep in the name of Jesus. Lastly, say, let all the weapons and devices of my oppressors begin to work against them in the precious name of Jesus. If you can speak in tongues, begin to speak in tongues to seal the declaration we have just made. Let the mighty hands of God rest upon your life and disperse all the enemy that gathered against your destiny. I pray that the book of remembrance will be open for us today. Help us to remember us. Those who have it in their heart to be of help to us, let heaven open over their lives. In the precious name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Today is a beautiful day. And we bless the Lord for bringing us into it. One thing is very sure. We will rejoice and be glad in it because the Lord has made it so. I celebrate you today. I celebrate your family. I pray that all that matters to you, the devil will not prevail over them. I pray for the protective hands of the Lord to cover you, to defend you, and to frustrate every scheme of darkness perpetrated or assigned against your life in the precious name of Jesus. We have been exploring the book of Timothy. We are still in the first Timothy. And today, by God's grace, we are moving to chapter 5. And let us see some of the instruction that Paul gave to his protege, Timothy. Let us see the relevance of those instructions in our life today as Christians, even in the church. Some of those instructions he gave to Timothy were for Timothy's personal development. And some happen to be as doctrines for the growth and the smooth running of the affairs of the church. Today, we are looking at the stand of Apostle Paul when it comes to the role of a pastor to the elders in his church. The elders in his church, the people who by age are older than him and he or she is privileged to be a leader over them. You see, one mistake that 
that's one thing we are observing today and we are also observing the lay down standards and instructions for the church concerning the widows in the church. What exactly is the role of the church in the life of the widows? What exactly is the original purpose of the assembly of God's people? Why has church turned to a place that a pastor can make money and use it to buy private jets, use it to do a lot of frivolous things and Nobody say a pastor should not enjoy the fruit of his labor. Because one fact is that when you are faithful to God, God raises people from among the people you have become, you have been a blessing to, and they begin to help you. They begin to push you. They begin to sponsor you, sponsor your children, sponsor whatever it is that you want to do. So I am not against pastor eating from the pulpit because that is where you are supposed to eat from. But when it becomes excessive, that you now begin to pass the church member. You begin to um, exploit. Pass is not even the word. You begin to exploit the people that you're supposed to be a solution to. It becomes a problem. So those are the two things we're, we're examining today. What should be the right relationship between a minister of God, let's say an, a deacon, a group leader, a pastor who is younger than majority of his members, what should be his reaction? So one thing I grew up to know as I was working with God and learning from my fathers in the Lord, no matter how anointed you are, Understand that you are a human being and if you are coming from a very good African home, you need to have respect for others. One day, I got a call from someone I consider to be an elder brother. So he was coming to my church. He was very instrumental at the early stage of my ministry. When things were so hard for me, he was there for me. He had a restaurant. So if I am hungry as a bachelor then, and there was no, I was in ministry, there was no help. So I could easily go to his restaurant and I'm, I'm going to eat for free. Or I can eat on credit and pay him later when I have it. And he doesn't trouble me. So he was of a great help for me. He, he, he's older than me. So I consider him to be my elder brother. So one day I got a call from him and I was replying him, oh yes sir, good morning sir, how are you sir, how is the family sir? And someone close to me asked me, why are you using sir for him, are you not a pastor? I told the person, listen, you don't understand my history with this person. The fact that I am a pastor does not mean I should disrespect people. And this is some of the things that is going wrong in many churches today because somebody think they have been ordained as a pastor means they now they are now older they are now automatically older than everybody in their church that even the elderly ones in their church they disrespect them they 
talk to people anyhow because the position they find themselves has entered into their head. It's it's funny. It's just like when a police officer is in uniform and is being respected and is being honored by people, they are saluting him, they are clapping for him, then he thinks he can do anyhow. When he removes the uniform, he becomes a normal human being. Immediately you step out of the church setting. Immediately you find yourself outside your church environment. People relate with you as a normal human being. Especially if you move to an environment where nobody knows you are a pastor. People relate with you as a normal human being. A younger lady who is even very insultive can insult you. Clearly insult you without knowing that you are a pastor. Immediately the person knows that you are a pastor, they begin to apologize. Why? It is not you people respect. It is not people, it's not you that people honor. It's the office, the calling of a pastor in your life that people respect. There are a lot of people older than many of us in our churches who knees before us for prayers. They are older than us in every position. Financially, they are older. Connection-wise, they are they are older. When it comes to business experiences, they are older. And come to age, they are far older than us. But you see people like this calling you daddy. Good morning, daddy. How are you doing, daddy? Sometimes I get so uncomfortable with those daddy, daddy things. Especially if you are older than me and you are calling me daddy. It makes me uncomfortable. If I'm older than you, let's say I'm 12 years older than you, I'm 20 years older than you, I'm 22 years older than you, I'm 24 years older than you, you call me daddy. It means, yes, I could father you, actually. If I'm 24 years or 25 years older than you, I could father you. So when you call me daddy, in that setting, it makes me, it's not a big deal. I have people who fight people on my behalf. That, oh, this person is not calling you daddy. So they, they, they don't have respect. It does not make any sense. This is one of the things that is happening in the churches today where young men become pastors, they become arrogant, they become disrespectful to the people that God has given to them, thereby sending them out of the church. Let's go and read the book of 1 Timothy chapter 5. Let's see what the apostle, instruction that the apostle gave to his son, Timothy. Do not rebuke an older man. Listen to that. Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Exhort him as a father. Younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers. And with all propriety, the younger women as sisters. So there is no place in the Bible. Though the Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. There is no place in the Bible where the Bible instructs the pastors to maltreat, to treat their church member disrespectfully. There is no place in the Bible where it is expressly said that immediately you assume any role in the church, it is now time for you to become arrogant to people. Treat older men as your fathers. So when an older man in your church, in your group, in your department, does something wrong, you don't lash out to that person. You don't insult the person. You don't shout at the person. 
you have to be you, ha- you have to go back to the to the to the roots your culture what does your culture teach you about respecting others the fact that you are in a position of leadership does not give you the right to insult an elder to to, to disrespect an elder first of all take the fact that you are a pastor away if you are not a pastor would you have found yourself in any way close to a place where you'll be able to disrespect these elderly ones i see past young pastors insulting their church members treating their church members as if they are inferior people that is not what the bible teaches us Timothy was commanded to treat older people in his church as fathers. Treating them as fathers does not mean that he's not going to discharge his pastoral duty or his leadership duty judiciously. When it comes to delivering his ministerial duties, he does that without fear or favor. But when it comes to addressing issues with an elderly person he treats them with respect he treats them with respect so you are a group leader in your church or you find yourself owning a ministry does not give you the right to disrespect your church member talk to them anyhow from the pulpit insult them call them by their names it is not right you are to treat the younger women as sisters treat them as your sisters you are older than them but you still have to respect them you don't insult people you don't shout on people because you are older than them and they are in your church that's what paul was telling timothy propriety is an act of respecting people honoring people See, when you are a humble individual, no matter position you find yourself, you don't allow it to get into your head. You deliver your duty as a servant of God, genuinely, with total humility and total respect to the age, to the experience, and to the position of people in the society. There was a young man that he found himself in the palace in the Yoruba land and he came there to host a crusade to host a crusade and to pray for the village and the first thing to do is to go to the king's palace and go and pay homage to the king and declare his purpose in that village to the king so when he was leaving uh, some of us advised him to learn the culture of that village he was going find out if this is right this is not right and all that and in the yoruba land whoever you are your king is your king that's the culture of the yoruba people whoever you think you are even the president must pay homage to the king even if you are the owner of the, the biggest bank in the world, you must pay homage to the king. You must double it. 
That's the culture of the Yoruba people. As a son to your mother, no matter how anointed you are, no matter how powerful you are, you must double for your mom. You must double for your father. The day your anointing begins to make you think that nobody deserves your double again except God, you are done. You are gone. You know why? God resists the proud. You know that God also honored the culture of his people. So this young man went to the king's palace. He stood shaking hands with the elders and he came to declare his interest in whatever he came to the uh, palace to do and all that. Things he was supposed to bring to the king to show that, you know, in Igbo land, when you go, they will give you cola. When you are going to see the king in some culture, you have to go with shinaps. You have to go with some items. It is their culture. And if you respect the culture, it shows, it determines how you'll be accepted or not. You don't go to somebody's community and be displaying arrogance. So when he got there, he refused to double he refused to prostrate. And one of the elders asked him, you young man, are you not a Yoruba? Are you not a Yoruba boy? He said, I'm a Yoruba boy. Don't you know you're supposed to prostrate for your king? At least king, greet your king. He said, oh, he is not my king. Jesus is my king. No other person deserves my Idobale and my king. That was how they bonded him out of the palace. Would you say it's right or wrong? Is there anything wrong in you honoring your elders? Is there anything wrong in that? You are a human being before the anointing came upon you. That's what many people don't know. What does it take from you? Does it reduce your anointing? If you prostrate for your king. You see, if you are an honorable person and you are known to be an honorable individual, you want to even double it for your king. It's the king himself that will say, no, 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 man of God, please don't kill me. Don't do that. They accord you that respect, not because of your age, not because you know how to talk Bible, but because they respect your position as a servant of God. You must also learn to respect your elders. That's what Paul is talking about. Sometimes when my mom comes around and I'm frustrating for her, it's not easy. For Christ's sake, that's my mom. So now because I'm anointed now, I should... Because I'm a pastor now, I should not start disrespecting my parents. That's what a lot of people do. Then they miss it in life. To the widows, Timothy was commanded to support widows who are genuinely widows in the church. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must learn to practice godliness towards their own family first and to repay their parents. For this place is God. The real widow, left all alone, has put her hope in God and continues night and day in a petition and prayers. 
However, she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she, she lives. Command this also so they won't be blamed. But if anyone does not provide for his own, that is his, that is his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow should be placed on the official support list unless she is at least 60 years of age. These instructions were given to the first church, that is the church of Ephesus. How widows should be treated, how orphans should be treated in the church. One of the major duties of the church is to support the widows. And Paul also specified the kind of widow that the church must support. A widow who is still young, who still have the interest of remarriage, should not be placed on the support list of the church. But a widow who is hopeless, she doesn't want to remarry, she just wants to focus on taking care of her three children or her four children. Such widow needs support. And if that widow is in your church, it becomes your duty as a pastor to support that widow. Not to pay her salary, but to place such widow on a list of people that the church will support. Okay, what is the title? If we want to interpret the Bible and the distribution of the tithe according to the Leviticus law and according to the New Testament rule, the tithe must be divided into three. Every tithe that comes in, oh, some people say, oh, pastors eat tithe, pastors eat tithe. Yes, pastors must eat tithe. Pastors must depend on the tithe because that is where their pay comes from. That is how they are also able to take care of themselves. They are also able to take care of the family. However, the tithe are supposed to be divided into three. Number one goes for the development of the pastors. Not one pastor. Pastors, the Levites, the people that are working in the church, one part goes for them. So let's say one of the workers in the church have accommodation problem, and the person has been committed to the growth of that church. It is the duty of the pastors to go into the church covers and support that individual. That is, if the person is not on allowance, if he's not on salary. If the person is on salary, the, tithe, the salary is being paid from the tithe that is being received. From the one part of that tithe that is being received. So if the church is not paying salary, what it means is that when workers who are in the church, maybe they have their own job, they have their own business, and they are not on salary, they are just working as volunteers, when the workers that are in the church suddenly have emergencies, they say their children first sick, they had a burial of an older person in their family, they want to do wedding, they need any major thing that they need support on. It is from that first part of the tithe that the church must support them from because they are Levites in the house of God. The second part goes for the development of the temple for the development of the church so you want to save the money 
so that you can buy land, you can buy this, you can buy that. You want to support some people in the church that are not workers, but they are members of the church. The members of the church, they make the church to grow. They are the one bringing people. You want to support them, or you have some things you want to do, some ceremonies, some love feasts you want to do. Those second part is for the development of the church. The last part of the tithe is for widows, the orphans, the less privileged, or the yeah, 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 that is happening in the church. Oh, my son is sick. Eh, my husband did not help me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you go to that one and use it to support them. The widows that are in the church were part of God's plan for the temple. So a church must incorporate taking care of the less privileged into their church activities. In our church, we don't joke with that, by God's grace. God helping us, the little we can do, we're able to do. And you know, we can't do what we don't have the power to do. Whatever we have power to do, we do. That's how it's supposed to be. Support each other, support ourselves, support the church to grow. That is the instruction that Paul gave to Timothy. Widows above 80 are supposed to be placed on the official support list of the church. If you have a widow in your church, unless she is at least 60 years old, has been the wife of one husband, these are the requirements. If you must place a widow on the official support list of the church, the widow must have been with one husband and is well known for good works. That is, if she has brought up children, shown hospitality, washed the saints' feet. What does it mean to wash the saints' feet? In those days, washing saints' feet is, 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 is a culture. It's a culture. But what can we compare it to in our day-to-day activity? It means the person has been supportive to the saints. The person has shown hospitality. He has washed the, the, the saints' feet. He has helped the afflicted. He has devoted himself to every good work, but refused to enroll younger widows. Don't enroll younger widows because when they are drawn away from Christ by desire, they want to marry and will therefore receive condemnation because they have renounced their original pledge. This particular passage, verse 12, has confused a lot of people. Assuming that as a younger widow, you are not supposed to remarry, according to Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul had a lot of issues with marriage. In fact, one of the issues he had is that he believed that when you marry, your mind, your thought is directed at your wife and your husband. Your attention is divided. Apostle Paul was an Enoch. He was a man who dedicated his complete life to God. He refused to marry. He had his own reason for not marrying. In some of his teaching, Apostle Paul has been misquoted. He has been misinterpreted. Sometimes he expresses some of these things based on his personal opinion of marriage. It does not mean that when a widow who is younger 
remarries it doesn't mean the person is committing sin. We can see in some of Apostle Paul's expression towards marriage, we can see his personal opinion about marriage. It's like somebody who doesn't like to marry and the person is teaching about marriage. Some of the things that Apostle Paul said about widows, young, younger widows not remarrying, it's not a doctrine. So we now we see a lot of people that their husband died, their wife died, and they're like, oh, they're not going to remarry again because the Bible says they should stay unmarried. And some churches have misinterpreted this particular passage. And they'll be there burning, having lustful thoughts and fighting battles because hormones are normal. Whether you are a child of God or not, this body has been designed to react to some things that we see. So if you are a younger widow and you want to remarry, there is nothing wrong in you remarrying. Apostle did not say you should not remarry. The only problem is that the younger widows in the church of Ephesus then became busybodies. They started having several affairs, started moving from house to house. You see, all the same, they also learned to be idle, going from house to house. They are not only idle, but are also gossips, busybodies, saying things they shouldn't say. Therefore, I want younger women to marry. Now, look at that. See, I want younger women to marry. If you are young and you, are, you, you find yourself being a widow, you must marry, have children, manage their households, and give the adversaries no opportunity to accuse us. For some have already turned away to follow Satan. If any believing woman has widows in her family, she should help them, and the church should not be burdened, so that it can help those who are genuinely widows. So, what the apostle is talking about to uh, Timothy, is that younger widows who to some degree have financial difficulties. Yes, they can table their case to the church. And one of the ways to deal with such things is that the church can hand them over to individuals that could be of help to them financially, food-wise and all that. Matured women in the church who have the capacity to help. However, the duty of the church is to those widows who are from 80 upward. But this is not a doctrine. This is not a law. It depends on the capacity of the church. If the church can even help the younger widows, support them in one way or the other, and the church has the capacity to give them vocational training and all that, it is allowed. The church can go ahead and do it. There are a lot of other individuals in the church that are into charity, that are helping widows, giving them training, giving them vocational training. These are some of the things the church is supposed to focus on. People come to church with different needs. These same people who come to church, they are the ones contributing the money. And the first line of the pastor's duty is to develop a redistribution strategy 
develop a redistribution strategy. Every offering that comes to the church, every tithe, every giving, every seed that comes to the church, set up a strategy to redistribute to the less privileged in the church, pay salaries, pay allowances, sort out the the needs, the immediate needs of the church, repairing the church building, doing this, doing that. These are the instructions that Paul gave to Timothy. And these are some of, these are some of the things that we can imbibe into our church to help ourselves grow. May the God of abundance come upon us with a visitation that is beyond our expectations. I bless you with the blessing of Abraham, with the blessing of Isaac, and with the blessing of Israel. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. God bless you. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our Anchor Partners. You can become a member through these three major channels. Visit at AT underscore events on Instagram. Select View Shop. Choose between Donate or Sponsor an Episode. Visit AT Evans Missions on Facebook. Select Shop. Choose between Donate or Sponsor an Episode. Visit ATEvans.life. Choose Donate or Sponsor an Episode. When you sponsor an episode, we will give you a shout out. And when you also donate, we will also give you a shout out and send our prayers to you. It is very important that we all contribute whatever we can to the spread of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to today's message. Please share with your family and friends. Follow me on Instagram at at underscore events. I'm also on TikTok at at underscore events. I'm on YouTube at 80 Evans Missions. See you in the next episode.